You're listening to the Tamar Yona Show here at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. I'm speaking to you live on November 5th, Sunday, as we are getting red alert signals now in the south of Israel, near Am, Sterot, and Ivim. We're praying for the safety of our people there who are being uh, bombed and or infiltrated by the terrorists in Gaza. We're praying for their safety as they're running into their safe rooms and shelters. All right. It is Sunday between the time of 4 to 5 p.m. here again on November 5th as we are live. If you're hearing the show at any other time, it means that it is a replay of the show. So don't call in because no one will be here to take your calls for this show. Uh, today, we're, we're going to be talking about a lot of things. Well, maybe we'll entitle it The Strategic Threat Grows. This as we enter the fifth week of the war that Gaza started by infiltrating into Israel and murdering and committing atrocities against our innocent civilians who were sleeping in their beds, who were outside at a concert, who were having breakfast, who were trying to shelter in their rooms when red alert sirens went out because they were bombing us as well and or infiltrating and catching people on the roads, shooting them, murdering them, in some cases dragging the bodies out of their cars and dumping it in their trunks of their cars, of their trucks, so they can take it back to Gaza and hold the bodies as hostage against the Israeli government. Our guest today to comment on a lot of different topics, let me just go through them really quick, uh, Civilization Risk, the United Nations and Jabalia, the International Energy Nexus, Leveraging Anti-Semitism, Internationalization, West and rest and Western hypocrisy at its ugliness. We are talking with Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So, um, what I'm going to try to do today um, is step back a little bit from the day to day conduct of the war uh, and look at a little bit of look at a little bit of a broader picture. What it means strategically. For the world, now everything I'm saying is is oriented towards the war in Israel, but we are going to um, uh, uh, um, uh, mention other places as well. But only those. There are so many conflicts going on in the world today that we can't possibly cover them all, and I'm not going to even try. I'm just give an example: uh, the the conflict between Azerbaijan and Armenia. It's important, but it just doesn't, we just can't handle that much information right now. So we'll cover world activity, but we'll talk here mostly about what seems directly or indirectly concerning Israel. But we need to understand that civilization, civilizational exigencies do matter. And so that's where we'll begin. We'll talk about what's the risk to civilization right now. Yeah. So we must be aware that civilization risk has to be the most paramount thing. We are talking right now about major risk to civilization. I am absolutely convinced 
that what we're talking to what we're talking about today in November of 2023 is a basic breakdown of civilizational norms at least throughout the Western world, if not for the world as a whole. It's not just the war that is presently going on in the so-called Gaza Strip, in the area of the, um, uh, uh, basically what historically is the the seacoast of the Negev, of the southern part, part of Israel, is not just a local war. I mean, everybody in all the media is talking about, well, what happens if this war spreads? The war has spread. It spread very, very far, and people just aren't, aren't talking about it because all they're capable of handling, for the most part, is the immediacy of this bomb or this missile. We're going to try to broaden the scope a little bit more than that today. Um, if I can quote a gentleman by the name of Greg Sheridan, who writes for The Australian and wrote on the 31st of October, quote, not since World War II has the West been so strategically threatened as today. All the West's most powerful and important enemies are involved in military attacks against it or supporting attack by the Allies or proclaiming that they plan to attack soon, close quote. So this is the framework that I'm thinking in terms of today as we speak. Um, just as Greg Sheridan spoke, um, by the way, this gentleman that I strongly, I don't know how many people have access to this, to his writings in the Australian, but he's well worth reading if you have it. Um, people should know that Hamas has a massive annual, annual military budget. We're not talking about some um, uh, dinky-rinky, dinky terrorist organization. It's not just a terrorist organization. We're not talking about something which is trivial. Their military budget is larger than the military budget of a country like Ethiopia, which is a major country on the African continent. So under international law, we need to understand the first aspect of this, the first circle in this concentric circle, the, the innermost circle. Uh, under international law, Israel does not have any and never had any obligation to provide aid to Gaza. When Israel evacuated the Gaza Strip in 2005... Wait, you mean we evacuated what we're supposed to be occupying? Yes. <laughs> I just want to make that clear to people. Everyone who reads that Israel's occupying Gaza, we pulled out of Gaza every last Jew, every last Jewish body that was buried there, we dug up and took it out. And there has been no, quote-unquote, Israeli presence whatsoever or occupation or whatever name you want to give it in Gaza since 2005. Go ahead. That's very correct. And just to give more perspective to that, since one of the uh, excuses for that basically imbecilic state and uh, concept of occupation, uh, um, uh, uh, Guterres, the, 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 the head of the, of the UNMEN, of the United Nations uh, Imitation Human Beings, um, and claims that we're the occupiers because we still have overall control of the place. That's simply untrue. He claims that uh, um, uh, 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 he's called it a, a prison, an open-air prison. That's simply untrue. As I've mentioned before, in the two, uh, uh, three years leading up to this present uh, uh, destruction of the existing ceasefire, 
that existed until the 6th of, of October, um, over 350,000 people left Gaza. Anyone who was capable of purchasing a visa to someplace else left Gaza. You cannot discuss it as a prison if 350,000 people left the place. I, I want to add here that if we were uh, running Gaza, would we let them get all of these missiles? Would we let their terror organizations exist? Would, they, would we have done any of this if we were ruling there? They've done it on their own. Would, would we have let them spend the money that you taxpayers and the international community are giving them to keep them, and, uh, to keep them alive? It would not be put towards those uh, tunnels and bombs that they have been using the money for and their fuel for, etc. You know, I, I'll even express what you're saying, but I'll express it in, in a more so-called positive manner. If we were ruling it when we ruled Gaza, were the people of Gaza treated as dirt by their own rulers? Remember, in the time that they've shot, they've shot these missiles against us since the 7th of October, more than 10% of their missiles fall on their own heads, fall on the heads of the people in Gaza. Thousands of Gazans, when they tell you how many people have died, remember always that over 2,000 of them died from their own missiles. I think it was like, what was the ratio? Like one out of every five? One one out of every nine missiles. Nine? One out of every nine missiles that they shoot falls in their own territory and kills their own people. Yes. Yeah. Also, I just want to add here as an aside that how can we occupy, be, be occupiers of land that is really ours? Because Gaza, if you're a Bible-believing person, you know that Gaza belongs to the Jewish people. It was given by God, the creator of the world, of the universe, to the tribe of Judah, Yehuda. It's our land. Go ahead. Well, yes, that's a, that of course is true. But even, even if you're not a believer, if you don't, you don't think that that matters, um, which... I find that absurd, but even if you think that that doesn't matter, every legal um, uh, uh, um, uh, 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 forum that exists on the planet gave that to us in the San Romo Conference, in the, 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 the League of Nations mandate, the, 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 the United Nations mandate was inherited the League of Nations, etc. They all gave Gaza, the Gaza area to us, not to the Arabs. The Arabs got the the portion of the mandate which was east of the Jordan River. I'm not going to discuss right now if that was just or not just. The Arabs got 74% of the mandate. as divided by Winston Churchill in 1920. So, okay, but, okay, let's leave that. That's that's a historical thing, and that's really, that's not all that important right now. In any case, we don't have any obligation to supply aid. Even so, Israel has been, since 2005, we've been supplying the vast majority of their electricity, all of their water, and foodstuffs, and so-called humanitarian aid, and uh, medical assistance. Theoretically, the Gazan government, quote-unquote, was supposed to pay for that. They have never paid. Just on electricity alone, the Gazan government, quote-unquote, 
has a bill of well over a billion dollars in open bills. Okay, so that's Gaza. Okay, so one of the things that was re that's been reported extensively in the international uh, um, uh, press, the the the, the imitation journalists that we that we all deal with every day, was the attack in Jabalia. Jabalia is a uh, uh, an area there. It's a, it's a village. Um, for some really weird reasons, the people in the um, in in the Western press insist on calling it. A squalid refugee camp. Let me explain what a squalid refugee camp looks like. There are many buildings there that are high-rise apartment houses of, of eight and ten stories high. Some of these apartments are worth between half a billion, half a million, and a million dollars per apartment. This is not. Not just economically, but many countries' industrial bases have been seriously damaged already by the combination of COVID and the subsequent collapse of the global supply chain systems. If we now have a major uh, 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 energy problem of, on the global scale, this will cause tremendous havoc. Okay? So let's look at what this means just for a moment, and I can only use a, a, a couple of a minor example, but people need to be aware of what's going on. Okay, so what's probably probably most people have noticed in, in even in the um, in the uh, 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 Western media in, in the United States, for instance, even the, in the really garbage newspapers like the New York Times, um, uh, you've seen reports that China has sent some um, some uh, ships to the Middle East. And Israel has deployed two um, uh, 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 missile cruisers to the Red Sea. What does this mean? Why would China do that? China, remember, we have to remember here something, a little bit of background. Under Reagan, the United States Navy was larger than all the navies of all the rest of the world combined. Under Clinton, that was about cut in half. Under Obama, that was cut in half again. And under Obama, the American Navy was smaller than it was, than it had been since the Spanish-American War. And the American Navy had been reduced, I don't know exactly where it stands today, but it had been reduced to under 180 ships. Today, the Chinese Navy is the largest navy in the world, but the vast majority of the Chinese Navy is what's called literal and not blue water. In other words, it's mostly coastal vessels and not vessels that can actually sail around the world. So if the, United, if the Chinese government sent six ships to the Middle East, that's a major proportion, a major percentages of their blue water capabilities. That has a lot of meaning. Well, what does that mean? Okay, let's look at what that means. Chinese internet companies, uh, the, Chinese have, the Chinese have two major internet companies, Alibaba and Beidou, have erased Israel from all of their maps. The towns, the cities, they're still, they're still on the maps. The name, the word Israel does not appear on Chinese maps today. Of course, everything in China is a, China is a police state. Everything there is, is, is controlled by the government, certainly in terms of information like this. In thousands of years of, of history, there has never been anti-Semitism in China. Suddenly now, since the, for this past month, 
the Chinese internet has been exploding with with some of the most ridiculous anti-Semitic tro- tropes that we've seen throughout throughout the centuries. What's going on? Why would there suddenly be Chinese outright propaganda, anti-Semitic propaganda that has never existed in Chinese society till today? Well, let's understand this now. Israel sent two um, missile frigates to the Red Sea. For the first time in history, for the first time ever, Israel has capital ships in the Red Sea within striking distance of Karg Island. Karg Island is the conduit for almost all of Iran's uh, uh, exports of oil. Iran's largest customer for the oil is China. China gets a major portion. Remember, China imports 85% of its energy needs. 85%. More than half of that comes from Iran. For the first time in history, Israel is a larger strategic threat to China than China is a strategic threat to Israel. They are scared. That sounds ridiculous, considering the comparative size of the two countries, but that's why China sent six blue water ships to the Middle East. They have a problem. They are aware that they have a problem. This is a very real issue. So this is what's going on. What else is going on in this area, in this nexus of the energy and Chinese Navy? One of the things that, again, people aren't aware of because Western media makes a point of not, re- not reporting it, Israel, of course, is a large uh, exporter of uh, military systems. Some of our largest com- customers are countries like Philippines and Vietnam, both of whom are primary adversaries of China in China's imperialistic quest to totally control the so-called South China Sea. They've been doing a great deal of, of, of many attempts to intimidate both Vietnam and the Philippines. The majority of the Philippine Navy was made in Israel. Not just boats, but air defense systems, the, the, the spider air defense system. The, the Philippines purchased it together with Singapore. <clears throat> the Philippines have Chaldag literal missile boats made in Israel. They have radar, electro-optics, larger missile boats, and also joint training. So when you look at China, I'm sorry, uh, pardon me, when China looks at this war, what they see is more than just uh, 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 trivial issues concerning Iran or even concerning the Middle East as a whole, they're looking at some things that are very, very poignant to them on a, on a very immediate basis. All of China's major strategic thrusts today, every single one of them, is influenced by this war that is now being fought in the Gaza Strip. And that in itself is kind of an amazing statement, I think. Kind of okay, sounds like, I just want to say, it kind of sounds like the war of Gog and Magog, 
where the international community gets involved and people are coming here. Well, let me express that. Okay, you're expressing it in the biblical sense, and of course that's correct. But let me put it in the, in the sense that even people that don't understand the Bible can really understand. Most historians today do not really differentiate between World War I and World War II. They're basically considered to be one war with uh, 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 a sort of hiatus between them when the level of violence was reduced. It, wasn't, it didn't go away. There were wars between those two wars. Well, what about now? What's going on now? Well, on one aspect, um, one can say, okay, there was a first jihad and a second jihad. The first jihad was when Muhammad and his immediate successors conquered uh, uh, the first uh, uh, spread out of the Arabian Peninsula. The second jihad was sponsored by the Ottoman Empire when it was new to Turkey, and it took over Turkey. It conquered Constantinople and went into the uh, 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 Balkans, conquered mo most of the uh, um, most of uh, Eastern Europe until it got um, uh, it was defeated in Vienna. Okay, well, what we're in now is the third jihad, and it's fascinating, fun thing because in the third jihad, more than twenty million people, depending on when you consider it to have begun. Most people say on 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 nine eleven, but that's debatable. I won't go into that right now. I read it in a moment. More than than twenty million people have already died in the in the third jihad. So if anybody thinks that this is not a this is not a consequential war, they're not looking at the numbers. Of that twenty to thirty million people that have died, more than eighty five percent of them are Muslims. So again, we go back to what we were talking about in the beginning. Hamas, are they the rulers of Gaza? Yes. Are they the leaders of Gaza? No. They don't give a damn about the Gazans. They don't care about their own people. As, as uh, Rafsanjani, the former president of Iran, said, he has no problem whatsoever in sacrificing 10, 20, 30 million Iranians. He doesn't care about that. That's not important. What's important is to defeat Israel and the United States. But tomorrow you said before, the little Satan and the big Satan. Yeah. That's what's important. And he said that explicitly. This is not, you know, you, you can look it up. It's easy to find. Okay, so that, that's where we are now. Are we in World War Three? Most people today are saying what we're seeing today is the same war that began in 1914 and has continued since then. Since 1945, more than 100 million people have died in wars around the world. More than 100 million people. That's not exactly peaceful. Or at least I don't consider that to be a peaceful thing. So, are we in World War Three? Depends on your definitions. It's certainly that is certainly a reasonable definition. And this brings up I mentioned some anti-Semitism in China, which is historically very, very, very strange. So let's look at the issue of anti-Semitism now and how it's being leveraged. Um, we're seeing the anti-Semitism as as you mentioned, Tamar, in, in the United States, in Europe. In Australia, remember the 
the the demonstrators in Sydney didn't shout death to Israel. They shouted gas to the Jews. Not talking about the Gaza war. They're talking about annihilating world Jewry. Was this coordinated by Hamas leadership and weaponized by Iran? We don't know. But I think there are clear indications that somebody is coordinating all of these demonstrations around the world. The New York Times actually had the temerity to criticize Israel for not publicly revealing what the strategy was in the war. And if anybody in, in, in any sane pers- country or person or leader would declare in advance what their strategy is going to be in a war. I mean, you'd have to be really ridiculous to even come up with an idea like that. But that's the New York Times, the, the world's most famous rag. So what's the point of the anti-Semitism that we're seeing around the world today? And it's coordinated. What's its coordinated plan? We don't really know what the plan is. But we do know what the point of it is. The point of it is to show that the Islamic Ummah, the Islamic overall concept of a people, has strength show to themselves and to the infidels that they have a show, that they can put forth a show of strength. And we're seeing in many places around the world, in many cities around and, 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 and states in the United States, that the Christians are running scared. We've seen it in France, we've seen it in Germany, seen it in many, in many places. I, I should add here that the, the Christian Lebanese have come out pleading with the Hezbollah, which is on Israel's northern border, which is in southern Lebanon, that they that the Hezbollah should leave Lebanon because they don't want to be pulled into a war with Israel. It'll be a disaster for Lebanon. And they're right, by the way. And, and I should add to that, it's not just the Christians. Remember, Lebanon has a whole bunch of different groups there. The Druze, Druze, that's with a D, D-R-U, uh, the Druze, have been saying the same thing. They don't want another war. The Jews live in the mountains. The Christians mostly live in the coast. Christians, by the way, used to live in the south, but the um, Shiites, um, Hezbollah, has mostly annihilated them. And we also know that Hezbollah is not going to listen to them and move out because they despise the Christians. They despise the Christian Lebanese and any Christians around the world. They, 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 and they sacrifice their own men. They don't care. They'll get their prize in the next world with their 72 virgins. Yeah. Okay, so let's, again, let's broaden it again. Another, another circle, another concentric circle will go out a little bit later. Again, a little bit more, we'll look at some internationalization. The 9-11 attacks in the United States were accomplished by 19 men with trivial knives. Today, and again, this is documented, they have the, 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 the same groups, the Muslim Brotherhood, together with Iran, have several times 19,000 people in America, and these people now have guns and explosives, not knives knives that are that are to, to, to open cartons. They have guns. They are well armed. The United States, for instance, has a company called U-Haul. There have been reports, and I cannot verify these reports, that many of these franchises around the United States are owned by um, uh, uh, jihadist Muslims 
and they are in that can in that sense mobile weapons caches that can be deployed whenever they are needed. Is this correct or not? I cannot attest uh, 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 that it's been verified. There have been reports to this effect. Um, just to give a, just to make certain that people don't think I'm just this coming out of the top of my head, um, no less a figure than the foreign minister of Iran just said it just last week on the stage of the United Nations in New York on American territory. He directly threatened the United States with violence, with war. Now, does anybody even in Iran think that Iran can go to war with the United States and win militarily? Of course not. That's not what they expect. What they do expect is that um, they can, on the one hand, weaken the United States and show the United States as allies that the United States is unreliable. That's what their immediate objectives are. We've seen uh, 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 something on the order of 10 million people come across the, the southern border of the United States in the last two and a half years. Most of them are young men, very few women. Does anybody really think that these people have come across to sweep the floors of the, of the, the queers from uh, uh, Harvard and Yale? And I don't mean queers in terms of sexual uh, orientation. I mean just weird people. These are not, they don't really care about the people from Harvard and Yale who are too lazy to defend their own country. Iran's oil minister reported that crude production has risen to 3.4 million barrels per day as compared to 800,000 barrels per day in the previous American administration. And we want to do the math, how much money Iran is making in this renewal of their ability to export oil. So we have to understand something very, very clear. And this is, this is a horrible statement. Nobody should like what I'm about to say. Not expecting major attacks in the United States is not a reasonable expectation. It's not a reasonable not, what? I didn't hear. It's, it's, it's not a reasonable expectation. Uh-huh. You need to expect that there will be attacks in the United States. I hope it doesn't happen, but we need to expect it because that's what they've said that they want to do. Not expecting major attacks on European so soil lacks rationality. Not expecting an attack on Rome lacks rationality. Remember, both Iran and the Muslim Brotherhood have said that one of their primary objectives is the destruction of Rome. Rome as, a, as in the city of Rome. They consider Rome to be the symbol of Christianity, which in many sense, of course, it still is. They have been, Rome has been a declared objective of these people for only 1,400 years. They believe that all of these are related to the attack on Israel. They believe it. They said it. They continue to say it. Listen to what Khalid Marshall said two weeks ago. Listen to what the foreign minister of Iran said recently in the United Nations. Listen to what Ismail Haniya has recently said. One after the other, they're all expressing the same ideas. 
I'm not making this stuff up. This is I'm quoting from them, from the. I want, almost said horse's mouth, but I can't. But I like horses. From the pig's mouth? Can you say that? I don't know. Is that right? Anyway, anyway, they believe these things. And at, at the very well, at the very least, does anybody seriously think that if these attacks occur, that this will make Moscow and Beijing sad? Does anyone think that from a perspective of Moscow and Beijing, these aims are not aims that they that they would hope for? Remember, very short a very short time ago, there was a declaration by uh, President Biden of a India-Middle East-European corridor, which was designed to compete with China's Belt and Road Initiative. One of the objectives of this war is to impede the progress of that corridor. How do we know that? The government of Iran has said so. That was one of their objectives. The government of Turkey has said so. The, the, the president of Turkey said it explicitly, that he has better ideas for how to uh, 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 build a corridor. Again, don't believe me. Look it up. It's there. It's out there, people. You can, all of these things are things that have been said by people that are much more important than me. Okay, so that's that issue. Let's go to uh, uh, um, uh, uh, the next issue. What I call the West and the rest. The West keeps asking why Hamas did not build shelters for their population of Gaza and why it does not actually actively govern Gaza. Question results from a lack of basic understanding. According to jihadist metaphysics, sacrificing believers is not an issue. Allah will know his own. If these people die, then... Allah will know which ones to bring to paradise and which ones to send to hell. They do not have a problem. I've said this before. They're not probably with a, a, a one or two million Gazans being dead. That doesn't matter to them. You need to understand the basic conception of how they think. If you try to apply your Western thinking to them, you will never understand what it is they're going on. They don't believe, for instance, all of Western civilization is organized according to something called West, the principle of West, principles of Westphalia. Westphalia, 17th century, a treaty between uh, uh, um, most of the countries of Europe, and that was basically what created what's today called nation states. China doesn't believe in nation states. China believes in looking at the world as peoples, as civilizations. The Arabs, the Muslims, don't believe in nation states. They believe that it should be a caliphate and it should be universal. Nation state is basically a sin or a temporary structure until a caliphate, a universal caliphate can be formed. Which is why, for instance, countries like the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Morocco, Egypt, despise the Muslim Brotherhood. They do believe in nation states. Because at least the rulers do. <clears throat> Remember something very, it sounds trivial, but it is not. If you go to a suicide bomber and tell them 
that if he blows himself up, you will kill him. You're not making a strong argument. So if these people actually believe, and they do, that what they want to do is kill off X number of people, and that X is a very high number, then telling them not to do it is not really a very effective way of doing things. So what are the war, the war objectives as we see it today? Well, uh, we've, we've discussed China and Russia, the major objectives that they have. Does Iran, as I said, does Iran think he can militarily defeat the United States? Of course not. That's not the intention. The intention is to sever the U.S. from its allies by showing the U.S. to be weak, ineffective, and unreliable. Which, unfortunately... I think also to humiliate the West. Well, that's part of it, of course. That's the, you, you, by, by showing it to be weak, you humiliate it. By showing it, by humiliating, you show it to be weak. I mean, the... the, 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 the okay, um, got it. Common concepts. They work very well together. Remember, everything in the Islamic thought process starts from the bazaar. If you, <coughs> pardon me, if you have never heard of how things work in the bazaar, then you have to give some thought to how people think. People the bazaar mean like the shuk. Think, sorry? The bazaar mean like the marketplace, the shuk, the marketplace. Yes. Haggling, dealing, outsmarting, etc. Okay. And remember, there's a vast difference between selling, uh, what's, what's the expression? Sell, uh, the, the, the horse trader from Samarkand who sells his horses and he knows that he will never again see this, see this customer again because this customer is going to ride off into the sunset with his horse and you'll never see him again. He can't physically return. That's the basic concept of the bizarre thinking. Not this is a customer that I need to I need to uh, ensure that this customer will come back to me again and again and again. That, that that's not important. They do not expect to see their quote unquote customers as serial customers. They expect to see them once only, and that affects everything in their way of looking at uh, of how they look at dealing with other peoples. And remember, as I said. China doesn't look at the world as countries. It looks at the world as peoples. And we see that has, we've seen over the last, um, uh, 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 the Communist Party, for instance, took over China in what was in 1949, if I remember correctly. How have they dealt with the Mongolians? How have they dealt with the Tibetans? How have they, they dealt, dealt with the Uyghurs? Okay, I just want to interrupt here and say that it is, uh, we're getting a red alert signal that Beersheva is uh, under possible missile threat right now, uh, and people are running to their shelters for safety. This is, uh, if you're listening on Sunday at 4.51 p.m., we're praying for the safety of our civilians that are purposely being targeted by the Hamas in Gaza and being shot missiles at. Go ahead. Yeah. I used to live in Beersheba. I, I, I worked at the university there for many, many years. Uh, yeah, I have many, our... many friends in the Beersheba area. In this yeah, area. we're getting more red alert signals now. Um, Hatserim is also added to the list of people who are now, these cities are closing down for the for this red alert siren. People are running for shelter. We're praying for their safety. Go ahead. By the way, I just want to say, this has really hit the Israeli economy terribly, terribly. Uh, 
people who, who, you know, there's all these conspiracy theorists saying that Israel did it to itself in order to have an excuse. This way, if you watch Al Jazeera, they're, they're saying that Israel committed these atrocities. It wasn't the Hamas, even though it came from Hamas cameras and a Hamas terrorists. And they're the ones who are posting it on the social media, bragging and calling home to their parents to see the disgusting crimes against humanity that they did. Uh, just, just saying, just saying. Go ahead. Yeah, well, Al Jazeera is not exactly a news organization. I mean, nobody really believes what they say. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know about that. I think a lot of people believe what they're saying. And it, and it's and uh, it's good to see. It's good to see uh, what they're saying. It's always good to see what the, en- what the enemy is saying. And, and how anybody can justify, how anybody can march in the streets for Hamas is just... You were talking about the bazaar. B-A, the bazaar, the bazaar, the marketplace. I'm talking about it's bizarre. It's bizarre (laughs) to me how anybody could be marching for the Hamas that thinks that they're a good human being or is voting, you know, rooting for the Hamas. Okay, go ahead. Well, we need to understand something very simple. When you see these pictures of these, 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 these apes that go around in New York City tearing down the posters of the kidnapped children... What are they saying? Is what 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 it is? What 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 is their statement? The statement is that they desire genocide of the Jewish people. Yeah, they're not fighting for Gazans. They don't give a damn about the Gazans. They don't do Have they ever visited Gaza? Have they ever visited any place on there? I mean, you know, they're they're no squad. Anyway, Western hypocrisy. And we're going to jump now to a to another arena to look at a, a, another aspect of how this war is affecting people. Right? We know that there's the, the second largest continent on the planet is the continent of Africa. Many of the countries in Africa, unfortunately, are countries that have difficulties on the most basic levels, and we've discussed this before the war many uh, for, for for several times. Um, there have been a series of coups throughout Western Africa, throughout the Sahel region, um, uh, finally starting to throw out the French colonial, colonialists after uh, almost 100 years after the French claimed that they had freed these countries and actually uh, 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 maintained their control over them. They're finally being freed. They're finally freeing themselves. But what does this actually mean? <clears throat> well, we'll jump for a moment to the war in Ukraine. As a result of the war in Ukraine, or quote-unquote as a result of this, Europe has applied all sorts of sanctions to Russia. Well, Russia is the largest um, uh, 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 exporter in the world of, of food, uh, grains, and, and, and uh, um, um, uh, uh, cooking oil and other things like that. So the idea was to hurt Russia economically by disallowing it from selling its goods. However, what they've done is the food that Russia allocated to Africa, Russia donated to Africa, did not sell it to African countries. It's unfortunate that I have to say this, but over the past two years, Russia has shown compassion while the Europeans have shown only greed. So the, the Europeans have closed the Russian 
donations in their ports, allowing hunger to spread around Africa. They have prevented the, the passage of both food and fertilizer products to Africa. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Africans are lacking in food, are literally starving to death because these Russian exports, quote-unquote exports, which are, as I said, are not being sold but are donated by Russia to the African countries, are blocked in European ports. The Europeans made a deal, a, a so-called grain deal, to allow the export of Russian and Ukrainian grain through the Black Sea. What they did was they stole the grain. Well, they, they, they use the word confiscated. They confiscated the Russian grain and didn't allow it to go to Africa. So again, are we talking about World War Three or a continuation of World Wars One and Two? As I said before, more than a hundred million people have already died since nineteen forty five. This is clearly a world war, whether you call it World War Through Three or Gogumogog. I don't think that really matters to the people in Africa anymore. Okay. So I guess we'll end it there. And we'll say a prayer for all of the innocent people everywhere. Because we have compassion for mankind. And as I always say in our shows, we are all brothers and sisters. We all stem from Noah. And before that, from Adam and Eve. We're all brothers and sisters. I don't believe that God wants to see us killing each other. So stop it to the terrorists. <laughs> just, just stop it. If they would stop it. Israel was not fighting Gaza before this terrible atrocity took place. And no, we had ceasefire. <laughs> right. After ceasefire, after ceasefire, that, that, they, that the Hamas and the Arabs there constantly break. Okay. But uh, we, we, we are wishing the safety of all good people, and we are wishing for good to overcome evil. And as I'm saying that, again, we are being trying to, uh, missiles are, and, and uh, ro- rockets are coming over from Gaza into Israel right now as we're speaking uh, in the south of Israel, over and over again, here we are getting a lot of uh, red alerts, uh, s- sirens in uh, the Gaza Belt region. These are Jewish communities. A lot of the people have evacuated that place, the civilians, but there are still some civilians there. And there are our dear IDF soldiers there trying to protect our borders. So we're praying for everyone's safety there, all of uh, the... Israeli people, they should have safety from these rockets that are coming over from the Gaza Strip, from the Hezbollah. It's interesting how they say we don't have food, we don't have water, we don't have fuel, but they have enough fuel to send over the rockets. Somebody was joking, it was like the Hanukkah miracle, you had only one enough oil for one day, but it lasted for eight days. <laughs> and they were saying like, they only have enough fuel for one day, but one day, but their rockets keep coming days and days. This, we're five weeks into the war. That's, that's kind of a miracle, isn't it? For the, well, we have to remember that the, for the, the, terrorists the, 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 the Hamas has been stealing the fuel from the hospitals, the 
the United Nations sends fuels to the hospitals so they can operate their, their local generators, then Hamas comes in and steals the fuel from them. The, the, and then they the blame Israel. Sends in, uh, 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 trucks and lorries with, with basic foodstuffs. They, they enter the Gaza Strip with full fuel tanks, and they leave the Gaza Strip with uh, empty fuel tanks. Yeah, and, these, and then they blame Israel for it. to power their tunnels. Because you can't live in a tunnel if you don't have you don't have moving moving uh, moving air. So we hope for an end to this war soon, a complete victory of good over evil, so everybody can live peacefully, and that includes the Arabs in Gaza that are good that might be good people. And up oh, another red alert siren coming in to the community of Raim. That is, by the way, Raim is the area where that con- that music concert took place and so many hundreds of uh, our youth were slaughtered and killed and uh 280 we are now. we are we are still mourning them we are still mourning them innocent people um brutally brutally murdered by the Hamas terrorists so in any case we want to wish everyone safety that is a good person and that everybody should be able to live peacefully and quietly. And thank you for being with us here at Israel News Talk Radio, where you are getting authentic Jewish information of and what the Bible says and what God says, and uh, our experiences here. So we're we want to see an end to this war. We want to see everybody living peacefully, wholesomely, and. Uh, if you have any comments or questions, you're always allowed or encouraged if even to write us at uh, info or Tamar, if you want me specifically, or for any of our other show hosts, write info at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, and we will forward any of your questions or comments to our show hosts that have shows here on the station. Thank you, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem, for being with us. You stay safe. And may we see, as I said, an immediate and huge victory of the good over evil. And let's hope that civilization manages to survive this, because it's really, really on life's edge right now. Amen. Thank you.